Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brand Wom Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome. We're super happy you're with us wherever you are listening and with whatever you are listening with. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> you like your prepositions. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but hey, everybody, listen up. This is going to be a really great episode because we have some very special guests on the line. Greg and Ozzy. You guys almost got it. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Greg and Ozzy are from Three Monkeys, uh, the famed amp builders and also uh, builders of awesome Dollars wire kits. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into that in a little bit later. Um, if you are following along at home, not driving, you can go to where can they go, guys? ThreeMonkeysAmps.com or ThreeMonkeysSoldless.com. Excellent. All right. Now that you have that queued up and you're ready to listen, let's get into some stuff. We got, we got a couple things we're going to take care of real quick. First of all, I just want to mention it in for anybody who is wondering why there is often, you know, why is this, why is this noisy on the line? When we have Skype, we can't always control what's going on over the Skype line. Um, so I really do apologize sometimes if things are a little noisy or hissy, I'm doing my absolute best to edit these and make them Good for your listening earballs, but um, sometimes you know that's just the way it is, and you get some little bit of line noise. But I would rather give you some line noise and an awesome guest to listen to than not do it at all. So check that one off. Check. Okay, great. Uh, I also want to while I while I have your attentions, um, I want to bring up the fact that we've got. T-shirts available, everybody. T-shirts? Yes, T-shirts. So we've got T-shirts available, and um, uh, I am going to be putting up a site on uh, a page on the site for you to purchase those. But for right now, if anybody does want them, you can just go to the website and drop us a line on the contact page, and just send out a couple this week. So other people have figured out how to get those, so you should too. Uh, 20 bucks, free shipping, should do it. That's what yep. I'm thinking, right? That'll do it. That sounds like they're, a deal to me. They're super nice. I'm telling you, nice they and are. soft. They feel good. And they come in uh, genuine Halloween color, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yes, they they do. Um, so anyways, uh, that is what is going on with the T-shirts and stuff. And I think Tony is... Uh, He's, he's had his lemon and honey tea. He's got the little uh, air spritzer in his throat. Okay, hit it, Tony. Woo-hoo. All right, so let's say I'm a, I'm a guy or a gal listening Wait. to this podcast here. I say, well, they, they, I really like what these guys are doing. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, how can I help? Uh-huh. How can I help make the show better, make the show stronger? Mm-hmm. Probably make the show faster, and you want to contribute, <laughs> right? And and yeah. they they'd like to say you know make a, a material contribution to the extension and long life of the guitar knobs. You've added Podcast. a lot of words to this. I have. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm improvising. All right, as they say. Yes. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm into knobs <laughs> this week because I've been on a search, and I'll go into that yes. more on my this week. Okay. This week in music. Okay. But let's say for the price of a used cheap strat knob, you can okay. keep this podcast going. Or uh-huh. if you're like me and just spent a, a, a stupid amount of money uh-huh. on some D'Armond clear ice cube knobs. They're not easy to find. No. Well, yeah, They if you if you dig deep enough. But let's just say you want to splurge a little. It takes energy. I mean, you could... You, you could, you could really help and get a very cool the t- the, the same t-shirt the Halloween that Todd was the Halloween colors yeah um you could get this one is, of those this is an hour well. and a half show guys okay jeez oh, <laughs> so long story short yeah if you would like to help us out uh-huh you could go to if you're still listening <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Uh-huh. And uh, all the details are there. It's super easy. You can sign up. Do you think there's tiers for for joining? Tiers for joining. Yeah, not tiers, like T-E-A-R-S. <laughs> <laughs> They're crying. Yeah. They're crying the Entry-level tiers, you know, like. For, yeah, for, I, I for think there's, you know, like I stuff. said, for the price of a cheap Strat knob. Yeah, awards. All the way up rewards. to a beautiful D'Armond Ice Cube knob. Yes. Uh, there, there's something for everybody. Yes. And it's easy to sign up. It is. It's it's great, and we would really appreciate it. It lets us know that people are out there listening, mm-hmm. like what we're doing, mm-hmm. and uh, we really do appreciate your support, sharing in our podcast experience, and we look forward to your are continued you, Are you running support. for mayor right now? What is going on? <laughs> Where's the baby? I got to kiss a baby for this one. Okay, yeah, so patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> you get your name read yeah. on the thing. Okay, uh, last piece of business. Um, we have two of our really good friends uh, are building some incredibly unique guitars, and they have just teamed up to produce something brand new. What's that? Well, Florian Schneider of Millimetric Instruments, a a uh, Florian, a regular on our show. Good dude. Out of Montreal, Canada, and Nikolai Shore of Shore Guitars out of Berlin, Germany. He's the one who does like the inside out guts on the top of the guitar. It's really wild. Oh, cool. Movable Whoa. pickups and everything. It's really cool. Um, they've teamed up and launched a new podcast called In the Making. And it's a it's a podcast that focuses on the world of luthiery. So they they don't get into anything but Lutes. making guitars and stuff. Uh, so anyway, discussion on loots. No discussion on loots. I have a pen. I will throw it at you. Loot. We <laughs> congratulate them on this new venture, and we invite you guys to check them out as well at your local podcast shop. All right, nice. How do we do? That sounds like you were reading it. I, I no, I haven't got that memorized, baby. <laughs> wow. <Sweet>. Okay. <laughs> Three monkeys. Have you, have you guys decided to not do this yet? <laughs> Are the monkeys there? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, fell, I fell asleep. <laughs> oh. Uh, all right. So what's going on in our music world this week? Start with Jared. Okay. This week. It, it's been <laughs> very, Come very, on, Bam Bam. I know, right? Uh, I've been working a lot. Um, I've had help over to help me out. Nice. Uh, but I did find some, some time to uh, maintenance one of my favorite guitars. It's a, uh, a 2005 uh, Gibson Les Paul standard, and it was made really well. If 
for those who are into the newer Les Pauls, and I'm more of a vintage guy, but but this particular Les Paul is, uh, they they made them really well in 2005, in my opinion. And so I have it, and it's it's a really good workhorse guitar, something that you're not afraid to take on stage and beat up a little bit. But uh, kind of took the strings off and and cleaned up the frets and the fretboard, and I changed the bridge pickup out of it. And so and, when you uh, clean up the fretboard, what do you do? I use this. Uh, was it Rene Martinez or R E N E Martinez? Yeah, Rene. Yeah, Rene Martinez oil. Yeah, Rene. Yeah, Rene. Yeah, Rene. I'm sorry, Rene. I apologize for that. Uh, but I I do use your product, so I use that, and I I I uh, clean up the fretboard with that, and and oil it, and all that kind of good stuff, and and uh, change the bridge pickup out of it. Is that something that that most players should probably do? Yeah, on a regular basis. One, to clean the gunk off, and two, to oil up the board a little bit, especially if it's rosewood. Exactly, yeah. Um, get that stuff if you're a player. That's right. But, yeah, you know, it felt nice to just get away from the, all the, the pickup stuff and all that production and, and uh, you know, work on my own personal guitars and uh, cleaned it up and put some fresh strings on it and... and uh, yeah, I mean, plug it in and and just uh, let some stress out. Cool. That's, that was pretty much my my only uh, besides guitar pickups thing this past week. Awesome. Nice. Great. Oh yeah. Hey Ozzy. Yes. What was what's going on in your week? Oh God, I don't even know what to talk about. But basically, all I do is guitar-related crap from morning till night. I mean, my whole house. <laughs> I swear to God, if you walked in my house, you'd be like. You obviously are single. <laughs> just guitar shit everywhere. But this week, um, let's see. I've been working on a new guitar design. Like, I build guitars, too, for fun. Um, so I've been working on that a little bit. I've been building also uh, an organ grinder for my good friend Dr. Dewey over at Duke University. Sweet. Um, wow. So those are the two things that I've been doing since uh, since Monday. Is that yeah. like a hurdy-gurdy no, no, no. The organ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just a, it's a goofy name for an amp. Oh, so it's, it's, yeah. It's a little 112 combo that we yeah. do here yeah. at Three Monkeys, and it's kind of like a GA40. Yeah, oh, okay. we, so the monkey organ yeah. grinder. I saw ah. that. I saw that earlier when I was checking you guys. Yeah, yeah. you a, can use Hurdy Gurdy cool. for another model then. Yeah. <laughs> I, that always reminds me. I don't know why of of, of the Who for some reason, the squeeze box or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, but that's what I've basically been doing, just normal work, you know, morning till night. Uh, well, that's still, I mean, that that sounds fun from my end anyways. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Uh, Tony. Well, as I alluded to last week, I had my eye on a uh, auction for what was a actually a mislabeled, and it turns out it is a mislabeled, uh, 50s archtop guitar. Um, they had it listed as a 1961 blah 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 blah, and I knew that wasn't I had the case. One <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I won the auction. That's the you good did. News. I did. And what it really is, I can reveal the full story now. Okay. Now that the auction is over and I've won, it's a probably early 50s uh, Bacon Belmont. And now the story behind Bacon Belmonts were they were uh, made by Gretsch for the Montgomery Ward catalog. 
And I happen to have a reprint from the 1954 uh, Montgomery Ward catalog. I mean, isn't that back then when they had pretty nice guitars? Well, they had a combination. They had mm, so-so intro ones, mid-grade, and these were the upper-end ones. And Gretsch actually made probably three or four different models. And that was um, they were made here in the USA. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. that's really cool, man. So, um, so it was a husk, meaning neck and body, and uh, the guy that was selling it, you know, parts off guitars and and that sort of thing. But I really wanted this thing because one, I thought it was really cool, and I love instruments from the '50s and the '60s. Oh yeah, yeah. and we all um, do. <laughs> and so I'm I'm going to put it back together. Awesome. I found most of the most of the good parts to, to put it back together. Um, I was talking about knobs earlier, and I was trying to find these uh, D'Armond. They're nicknamed ice cube knobs, but they're the clear lucite knobs uh-huh. that uh, D'Armond used on like Thunder Chief pickup assemblies that you would clamp onto a archtop guitar, or whatever. Okay, those are cool. And um, I actually found a guy on on one of the auction sites that uh, that has, I don't know how many he has, but I told him I needed four. He was asking $15 for each knob. Uh, I told him I need four, make me a deal. And so he sold them to me for 10 bucks a piece. That's awesome. Nice. So the right knobs will be on the guitar. I'm going to rewire it. I've got some TV Jones uh, uh, D'Armond style pickups coming in for Nice. It. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this one. He's a great pickup winder, man. He does a lot of the weird stuff nobody else does. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically, it's a non-cutaway spruce top, uh, arched maple uh, back and sides and, uh, and uh, neck. Uh, and anything that says bacon on it has to be good. <laughs> yeah, on the headstock, it's a giant thing that says bacon. bacon. Everybody no loves bacon. bacon. <laughs> that's right. So that's Brilliant. my week this week. That's awesome. How about you, Greg? Uh, so a little bit different for me this week. Uh, I had a friend in town, uh, who was touring with, um, a friend from Australia, who, uh, was touring with this guy, Paul Kelly, um, who's kind of like the, nobody knows who he is here, but he's like the Van Morrison of Australia or the Dylan of Australia. I mean, the guy's had number one records and, you know, uh, really good singer songwriter over there. Yeah, definitely. And he's over here playing like little clubs. Um, but, uh, he had a problem with his main electric. He mostly plays acoustic. He plays uh, Maintenance, the uh, oh, Australian yeah. brand. But he had mm-hmm. a this weird. Uh, I've never seen one in person, but it's it's early 70s, 72, 73 Les Paul signature gold top, um, which they look like the Jack Cassidy basses. So it oh, looks like I a three thirty five on the top, and it looks like a, it's got a Les Paul cutaway on the bottom. Yep, and it's two F holes. Um, but it has the, it's low impedance pickups, um, has really odd wiring. Um, the original wiring was like a high impedance input and a low impedance, I'm oh, sorry, high impedance output, low impedance output. So, but he had had it rewired, but it was intermittent. So I basically had to pull all the electronics out of it, which, um, being in a, uh, semi hollow meant I had to pull them all out through the bridge pickup. Mm. which was no mean feat with a center block. Um, but it was, it has a, a little Jensen like line matching transformer in it, which is really odd, you know? Um, so I had to get that out and, and resolder that and, uh, got that working for him. So, cause I don't, I don't normally do guitar repair when I'm not 
on the road. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm touring and teching for somebody, you know, I've got to take care of their stuff or, you know, sometimes work on stuff for somebody else in the band. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of cool. And, uh, and I went and saw the show and the guy was phenomenal. So now I'm a, now I'm a, now I'm a fan. That's awesome. Oh yeah. And, And besides that, I, gutted my kitchen and I'm building all the cabinets, remodeling my kitchen. So <laughs> there you go. That's um, I'm that's in the shop with a lot of plywood. What kind oh. of Tolex are you going to use on those cabinets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think my wife would let me do that. <laughs> and she, and she's pretty cool. She let, she, she made me hang all my guitars or a majority of them in the house. So I have oh. 11 in my office and another six, seven in the hallway. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. You gotta, I, I'm with you on that minor all hung in our music. We have a room that's just music stuff for me and my kids and stuff. And it's pretty nice, just, man. Just being able to just see them makes you want to go pick them up. Like yeah. I can't, I yeah. don't understand yeah. like. Yeah, keeping them in a case. Having them in a case, it just, it doesn't work for me. doesn't work. You know what's cool? I use them. I put them on as like decorations. So yeah. they're not hanging anywhere. I'll like put them on top of a counter in a corner or on a, you know, like on my nightstand, there's a guitar next to the toilet there. Yeah, next to the toilet. <laughs> Basically anywhere that you could possibly be standing, all you got to do is stick out your arm and you're probably going to grab a guitar. I heard that Van Halen does that, man. He takes his guitar everywhere and just I, plays yeah, all the time. Yeah, he does take it in the bathroom. I, I'm pretty sure about that. That was in, yeah. um, what was that, uh, that show with um, Charlie Sheen that he got thrown off of? Oh, gee. Oh, uh, two and a half three men. Two and a half men. Two and a half men. I was going to say three men. He came out of the bathroom with his guitar on. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, you can use some of those. He does that. You can use some of those uh, Dan Armstrong Lucite ones as a cutting board. It works out well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, uh, for as for me and mine, um, yeah. basically, I just played. I played a lot, and I'm trying to... Uh, just, I'm trying to get into spaces where I'm not being comfortable and I'm, you know, I'm working on a new, uh, originals project. So it's really important that I don't be comfortable. That's right. Um, you know, and that's, uh, that's a tricky spot. If you're, if you've been in, you know, I've got a couple other projects where I'm like, Hey, we've been doing this thing for a while to, so to slip right into something. And, uh, so I'm just looking for, you know, I, I'm not trying to to make a piece of music i'm just i'm letting it happen and i'm if i feel like oh this feels like something interesting or or familiar i stop and go like the opposite direction and go how can i make that um either dangerous or like potentially i can't do it that's what i was working on this week and it was real mm-hmm. fun noticed your t-shirt yes sir he's an x t-shirt I went, to go see, I went to go see X on their 40th anniversary tour. I posted all kinds of pictures and stuff that um, uh, hopefully people enjoyed. I was spitting distance from John Doe, and he's one of my music heroes. And I was just like, and Billy Zoom is right there. You know, Billy's not doing as well these days, but he did. He stood up for a lot of it. He did. Uh, he was playing saxophone and Exine sounded amazing. I mean, the whole band is it sounded as good as 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 good as many years ago. You know, I've seen them a couple times, and um, it was just it was a real treat because awesome. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do that again. Sweet. So, oh, that's that's awesome. Billy yeah. Billy Zoom is is 
not only a great player, but, uh, you know, build his own amps, oh, you yeah. know, re his reverb unit, all that stuff. He's, yeah. he knows, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Sweet. The one he has on stage, uh, if I'm correct, uh, is the same one he built in 1984. It's never broke down. He's, he's toured with it since 1984 wow. and has only replaced it, the tubes one time, not right. because they needed it, but because he's like, well, I, I just figured I should probably do that. But his <laughs> yeah. amp has got a really interesting uh, aspect to it where he's got, he basically has um, a, a, a backup circuit in it. So if the amps fail, he just switches to the afterburners, to the right. other amp. So, so there's a set of tubes in there that potentially have maybe never even been used. You know, I mean, I'm speculating, but he's yeah. not using all of the, that's so smart. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. For a, for a touring amp, that's 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 pretty smart. Redundancy. Yeah. Anyways, all right, man, we got so much to talk about. Holy moly! You know what? One of my favorite things is one, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Yep, you guessed it. Four on the floor, and we're gonna go to Greg first. All right, uh, man, it's hard to pick four, uh, but. Uh, for me, and I have a lot of pedals. I kind of like pedals. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, I have this BJFE C Blue EQ that Bjorn Joel made for me. <laughs> I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. After I a lot of letters. After yeah, after and I, he doesn't make it anymore. Um, and this, I mean, it's it's probably ten ten plus years old. So wow. it's really cool. But it's like a. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's got a little bit of a boost, but it's mostly just an EQ. Um, and it's um, he's really into high watts, so it's kind of high watty, and okay. it's just a really really cool pedal. Um, that uh, I love my Electroharmonix Holy Grail. Um, you know, I, it's my as I have a love hate relationship with uh, Ryan Adams. So you know, love his sound, uh, and he's kind of a jerk. But uh, <laughs> and, and, so, and everybody knows that, including yeah, him. He's, uh, yeah, he used to live. He used to live around here, so he was quite a jerk when he was here. But uh, and then, um, so wait, I that's, really that's like, the old one, right? The the old one. Yeah, yeah, the old one. Sorry. So yeah, just out of curiosity, like the nineties one. Just out of curiosity, what is the what is the the thing that makes you hang on to that? It's I don't. It's got that thing. Um, it's just got that just perfect amount of reverb um and kind of i don't want to it's like a spring reverb but it has a little bit of space to it okay um uh the the first ant we ever designed is called the orangutan and that's kind of how we designed that reverb circuit is to so it's kind of not in it's there but it's not in your way yeah gotcha. ducks a little bit, you know it kind of it kind of ducks so that's why I, and that's why i like the holy grail gotcha and uh so tc stereo plus chorus is another one uh you know uh, all of these you know obviously old pedals yeah um but i really like that for um splitting two two amps if i'm playing two amps and with that chorus um and i'm not a huge like chorus guy especially if, if i'm in a two guitar band i won't even use the chorus but huh. by itself it sounds pretty nice yeah do you typically uh, run two amps i typically do um and a lot of the guys I work for when I'm touring do the same, uh -huh. and it's usually two kind of different amps. Yeah. Um, so I'll, my main amp is a an amp Ozzy built for me, um, 
that is kind of like our sock monkey, which is kind of an AC 15 ish thing, but it also is, it's like half 18 watt Marshall, half, uh, AC 15. Oh, uh, wow. it's called, it, it's called the chimpster uh-huh. and it's, 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 it's uh, I think we've only made two of them. Um, you got the old uh, yeah. NOS Vox. Yeah. And it's, and I, and I have an NOS like 67, uh, Vox, uh, roll up, uh, speaker in it. Nice. So it's nice. really nice. Um, and then, so, all right. So last pedal, um, is one I've just been messing around with and I'm not really, a into weird pedals, but the Digitech dirty robot, I think is a really cool pedal. It's a, um, it's like a synth pedal. Okay. It just makes really kind of cool, uh, kind of cool sounds. I have a, I have a Roland GR 300, um, guitar synth, the big blue one. Yeah. Um, the, the one that Jimmy page, uh, used a lot in the eighties. Uh, and it just, it kind of just does some of that stuff. Interesting. So, and I don't have to pull out my, uh, you know, giant 22, pin cable to get that guitar synth running <laughs> is that something you uh you use frequently or the guitar synth yeah um no probably i probably haven't pulled it out in a while just because it's kind of a, a chore to set up but i love i love if i'm playing like solo stuff or or just messing around that's the kind of i kind of go kind of thing i go to it has this the, the deal with it is more of this it has this thing called hex fuzz yeah and it's only in that unit. Um, in the, and I went through pedal, in the pedal, the digit, the Digitech. Sorry, no, this is in the GR three hundred. Okay, yeah. Um, but the but the Digitech does a, uh, the Digitech does more of a. I don't know, like a, it's it's almost like you can do like rush synth sounds. Oh, okay. From, from like like moving pictures era rush. Right. Um, but you can do it on the guitar. That's cool. Um, just like like just like single line stuff. If you're if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. So. I just got my daughter into rush. Cool, cool. Yeah. My wife, she'll, she'll my wife hates Rush. <laughs> she, she wore, she wore my wife's T-shirt to school today, and she's like, "Dad, what are, can you tell me some more Rush songs so that if anybody asks me, I don't, I don't look stupid." I was like, "Oh man, that's <laughs> cool." Yeah, cool. Right on. That's that's uh, that's an interesting board. A little little setup you got there. All right. How about you, Ozzy? Uh, all right. Um, I got a lot of different boards that I use. And I'll tell you, mostly it comes down to just four basic generic types of effects. Um, and I'll tell you what I'm currently using on that. I need to, I love having an EQ pedal up front for sure. So now I'm using like this old boss GE 10 EQ that looks like it's about the size of a Kleenex box, maybe a little bigger with giants. (laughs) which is kind of cool. So, you know, you can really see where you're at and there's a little bit more throw to each slider. So, you know, your adjustment, you can get a little bit finer. Yeah. Um, so I really like that thing. I like a boost, so I'm, but not too much. So I've been using like these EP3 type of pedals that I've been building. Um, and I've been put, actually stacking them now. So it's like I'll run three EP3s in a row and just have different levels of boost that I can get. Um, gotta have a phaser, whether like a small stone or an MXR phase 90, something like that, just to get you a little funk. Which one, and which, if you have to, if you got to pull one, which is it? If I, if I have to pull like one pedal out of that chain, no, no, if you, if you're choosing one of the phasers, what are you, what are you choosing? Oh, I'm probably going to use an MXR because that's what my, my ears mostly used to, but I got to tell you a small stone is tough to, 
tough to beat as well, you know, for some of the Zeps kind of things. Yeah. But what's cool is like I like to run those phasers in parallel and just run a little bit of phase on all the time. So it's not really so, it's not really noticeable unless you I tell you that it's on. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of creates a little bit of a variation that makes the sound a little bit more interesting. How do you and then, control of course, a that? Lot. Because I know like, you know, like the, the, the 90 is just it's just on. And there's just yeah. rate. So well, what what I built was a was a little another little pedal. Maybe this should be the four on the floor pedal. <laughs> it's, it's another little pedal that's actually a loop, right? So as an input output and then a loop in it, and the loop is a parallel loop with a mix control on it. Holy moly! So basically, you plug the the uh, the phaser into the loop on the loop pedal, and then adjust the the uh, the blend as to how much phaser you want, and as a bypass on it. So you can go full bozo phaser at any given time. Yeah, but it'll just be on in the background as to how much phase you want. Yeah, that was yeah. my issue with the '90s and the uh, and, you yeah, know you and all of them. It's like the things are harsh. I agree with you so much. Yeah. they phase way too much, and unless you're trying to do something crazy, it's generally offensive. <laughs> but if you have a little bit of it on, it's kind of sweet. I want that on a T-shirt. Generally offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. That's my that's, rant. That's our new band name. <laughs> there it is, man. So what's number four? Number four is just a crybaby. Got to have a crybaby, you know. Because if you're bored or you just lost your way, I mean, a little bit of quacking and you're gonna find your way back in. Yeah. Do you have one that you uh, favor? Oh, the crybaby. I've got one. It's not a vintage unit or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I probably bought it like in the maybe the late '90s. Um. I don't know. A lot of the shit that I think is new might be vintage by now because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it works great. So it sounds great. Uh, there's nothing particularly special about it. Uh, it does have a phasal in it, but it came that way. So it's not like I did anything to it. Yeah. Um, I know I've been meaning to send it to my boy, Scotty Smith, over, you know, a pro analog uh, to hype it up a little bit and make it more like a super quack. But at this point, it's stock and, you know, it gets the job done. Nice. Yeah, that's a solid, solid, uh, solid approach. I applaud that solid approach. Yeah, thanks. I, I don't have a lot of creativity, unfortunately. I, that's probably the understatement of the year. <laughs> that would be the understatement of the year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now the time that we've all been waiting for. We've got three monkeys on. Well, two of the two of the three monkeys, anyways, on the line right now, and we're going to find out all about their approach to amplifiers and they're also going to tell us about this uh really awesome solderless solder that's easy for you to say that's a hard one to say solder solder i know but the l trips me at the solderless it's the solderless solderless (laughs) kits that they're doing uh which uh i had some experience with and loved it Thank I'm you. loving it. Uh, That's McDonald's. <laughs> oh, who let Ethel in? Yeah. What are you channeling, Ethel Merman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so guys, uh, how about giving me just a little bit of background? Um, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, take us to how you ramped up to doing Three Monkeys. Like a little bit of music background, what led you to, ke- to, to meet up and, and do this? Well, um, I guess we should probably, we're probably going to have completely different stories about how this happened. Um, (laughs) Well, I was doing something different at the time when Greg found me, luckily. Um, But I had um, 
started this other business called Blockhead Amplifiers. And it was with a good friend of mine, Keith Davidson, who was in New Jersey and we were college buddies and bandmates and all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, you know, I've always been working with electronics since I was, you know, basically old enough to hold a pair of pliers. Um, and what we were doing at uh, Blockhead was basically doing for Marshall what Victoria did for Fender. So we came up with the idea that, you know, I always loved Plexis and I've owned them forever and collected them and built them. So we figured we could we could build these amplifiers just kind of, you know, because Victoria had proved that there's a market for reproductions of vintage equipment that were more accurate than what the original companies were making at the time. So we started doing that sort of thing. And then Greg found me um, and, uh, you know, I started building amps for for Brad and for Greg. And I'll let Greg take it from here for for that. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that's pretty much it. Um, I was in the studio with with Aerosmith um, in 2003 and they were doing this blues record and just, um, looking for different things, you know, um, and not that they don't own enough gear, but, uh, you know, I was kind of like kind of tasked with getting different stuff for them just to record with. I got Joey Kramer, a really nice, you know, vintage Ludwig set, but, um, I was just kind of asking around about, you know, who makes the, cause you know, in 2003, the, you know, the boutique market wasn't as big as it is now. No. Um, and so I was just asking around and, um, I got turned on to blockhead. Um, I got turned on to Greg Germino, um, who's actually, you know, right here in our backyard, about half an hour away. Yes, and, you, and you guys are uh, really quickly, where are you located right now? We're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of both guitar makers, yeah. uh, pedal builders and amp builders here. Um, I've lived here for, (laughs) I've lived here for 30 plus years. I think a lot of these people just moved here, you know? So, um, but anyway, so, uh, uh, I, I talked to Ozzy and uh, he actually built Brad a couple amps and drove them up from New York, um, to Boston. And I met him on, I think we met like, at the warehouse. I was, yeah, I met him I'll on a Sunday when you, when the door opened. Yeah. I met him, I, I met him on a Sunday at our, at the Aerosmith warehouse, which is just chock full of gear, you know, just sure. ridiculous. So, oh, and, and we're, and that's located where, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, You'll never street find address, uh, cross that streets. itself could be an, <laughs> five hours worth of material. Yeah. This warehouse, what they've got in there. It's amazing. Yeah. I have it's a, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I have to go, uh, I was trying to think the last time we inventoried it. It's been a couple of years, but there's a photo inventory of all the of all the guys' gear, um, just so we can keep up with it um, for the most part. Um, yeah, so Ozzy just came up and brought me these amps, and um, we ended up using them in the studio. And then, uh, and when that record was done, we took them out on tour. And so it, for, yeah, so, for that, context, so then like, you're you're teching at this point, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I've been a guitar tech for. T- 20 plus years um i've been with brad off and on um 15 years now right uh this year so um yeah i've worked with a ton a ton of people um brad whitford right yeah you should tell me about i brought up the amp when brad was moving out and then we went out to dinner and that's how the whole yeah i mean that's kind of whole whole thing i've i'd i'd actually wanted to be um I, i love touring but being away from home is kind of a pain and you know, and so um, I was kind of looking for something else to do, like build guitars, build pedals, build amps, something like that. But and um, 
after, you know, talking to Ozzy and Greg Germino and, uh, Fred Tacone from divided by 13, I was, you know, just, I was like, you know, just like, Hey, I was thinking about starting this amp company. Um, and they were all like super positive. They were you know, like, yeah, do it. You know? Oh. So, um, Ozzy came up and brought me those amps and we ended up, uh, going out to dinner with Brad that night. After and, we were moving out. His house. Oh yeah. That's why he was moving out of, of his house. We helped him move. Um, <laughs> and, uh, loaded up trucks and stuff. And, uh, that was your payment, to, right? Yeah, exactly. He took us out to dinner and, um, uh, I think Ozzy said something like, you know, Hey, have you told Brad about the, the, the amp thing? And Brad's like, what, what? And so I, I told him, I said, I, you know, I think, I think, I think Ozzy and I are going to start an amp company. He's like, Oh, well I went in on that, you know? And I mean, that's how it started. Literally. Literally. Wow. But it took a couple of years to come to fruition. Um, I basically had to go to Brad, you know, a couple of years after that and go, um, I can't work for you anymore if we're going to do this amp thing. You know, those guys tour at the time they were touring, you know, six, eight months out of the year. Um, it's consistently every year. So it was like, man, you know, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this company off the ground if I'm, you know, not home, you know, or and sometimes on the other side of the world. So, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's basically it. Um, I stopped working for him in May of 2007. And I think Oz, Ozzy came down to North Carolina that summer. Yeah. It was, and, yeah. It was 2007, 2008 was, wasn't too long before, uh, Lehman brothers collapsed. So it had yeah, to be yeah. Oh, well, well, we basically took yeah. 2007 yeah. to, um, prototype this first amp and um it was kind of my dream amp and it was i i think it turned out really well i think i still think it's a great amp uh that's the orangutan and um i'm a 6v6 guy although now i play a lot of el84 um same amps thing. but uh yeah same thing <laughs> it's just dude um but yeah i got ozzy kind of to think outside the box you know kind of outside of his comfort zone i hate 6v6s yeah, or i yeah, did yeah. now i like them and, t and Todd, you'll you'll like Ozzy. He hates Stratocasters. Oh. <laughs> well, I, there's I, two of them now that I know of. I, I myself <laughs> love Stratocasters. Yeah, that's my main that's my main guitar. So, um, uh, but yeah, so so <laughs> we always test Ozzy always tests amps with Strats. He says if it sounds good with a Strat, it'll sound good. Well, with yeah, they're well, the I have to credit that little piece to Tony Bruno from Bruno mm. Amps. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to hang out with him all the time, and he always said, "Get the worst sounding Stratocaster you can, <laughs> and if you can make it sound good with that, you yeah. got something." Yeah, they're like the Mr. Potato Head of guitars. You could you could put anything in those those Stratocasters right, as right. far as pickups and whatever. They only yeah. take Strat pickups. Oh no, my uh, friend! Don't get me started. Yeah, Anyways. that's why they came out with the swimming pool route. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Anyways. Ugh. <laughs> uh, okay so okay so now you guys are you guys are you've 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 done the proverbial um jumping high five and you're starting your company um yep and then the stock market crashed yeah we basically released the orangutan like the same week the stock market crashed oh, in geez. 2008 uh, yeah timing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah that's that's gotta suck a little bit. Yeah, it did. So yeah, we made it through, but that was yeah, it was kind of worry worrisome at the front end. Well, tell me about your approach. Um, I think let me just get this out of the way. Whoever's familiar with you already, 
if anybody is looking online right now um, or will, uh, these are not what you might call entry-level amps per se, just from a from a price and power standpoint. This is this is a little bit more of, advan- of an advanced amp. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say I, I'd say that it's kind of what it grew out of was more of building amps for a certain sound a, but also for flexibility with players. Our amps aren't really like we didn't cop. We didn't just copy a circuit. We didn't just go, Oh, we're going to make a, you know, a tweed deluxe. Um, all of our, all of our circuits are unique. They're just amalgamations of other things. Um, but, um, every, all of our amps have, are very dynamic. That's, I mean, it has that nth thing. It has that thing. Yeah. And it has to have that thing or it doesn't leave the shop. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it doesn't leave, it doesn't leave prototype stage if it doesn't have that thing. And it's just that thing is, is, it's that thing you can't put your finger on, but you're, you know it when you hear it. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I could say that we did, um, for let's say designing the orangutan, which was the amp that we spent about a year working on down here. The first thing we did was just decide on what tubes we wanted to use. Right. And just went off of that. And then how loud do we want this amp to be? Because we want it to be able to sit on stage. We don't want it to be overpowering where you got to go both the holy whatever out of it. Um, And it should have the center frequency somewhere about where the front of house guy wants it. So there isn't going to be a whole lot of manipulation of the EQ of the amplifier. So, you know, with Greg... With his experience on the road and my experience of just locking myself in my house and never leaving, the two of us were able to come up with something that someone could use. And that entire year that we were developing, we would literally, thanks to Greg, be able to bring it to the amphitheater where here in Raleigh, where all the acts would come and play and basically, you know, bring it to different guitar players, Counting Crows, Cheap Trick. You know, all these different guys and we'd just play the amp during before sound check or in the back room or sometimes we'd blow it out on the loading dock, you know, um, and try to get feedback from, you know, top players and say, you know, what do you think about it and what could we do differently um, to make it fit in where you don't have to do a whole lot for it, you know, to make it sound good. And we so, sent yeah. and we sent prototypes off to um, Matt Scannell from Vertical Horizon, yep. who is a tremendous player and just yeah. has good ears and um uh we sent some sent one to oddly freed yep. oddly, um yeah. who's in cheryl crow's band now um yep. and who was playing with frampton probably at the time at that time or, it was definitely frampton. did we send him was it a prototype to um when he was doing courtney love's record um what's his face um oh oh uh oh uh, uh yeah pete thorne we yeah, sent pete one to pete thorne, thorne. Oh, um right. we met him through when he was doing chris cornell yeah um and uh yeah just like a, a bunch of those guys and you know and we were just like be br- brutally honest tell us what you like about it tell us what you don't like about it yeah and we just kind of refined it from there and i mean the whole way we made that amp in the first place was we were going for the sound on the record. Humble we pie. weren't. Go- yeah, we weren't. We were listening. To this, I had this weird live humble pie show from the Winterland, which I think is way better than any of the um, um, any of the stuff uh, that they're more well known for. And just like old ZZ Top, old uh, you know, like live Ted Nugent, um, live Aerosmith. We're just kind of going for that. Um, 
just that vibe, that kind yeah. of vintage, you know, Big. and not, yeah. And also like compressed, like we wanted to sound, we wanted the amp, the sound coming out of the speakers to be more like, like the, like it was been already mastered in other words. I guess. Yeah. Um, it yeah, has, there was, as, there was definitely something with that is I remember when we were talking to Eddie Berman, um, you know, from at that point, what was, is that sound pure now, yeah, but at that indoor point, storm. indoor storm and Eddie's a great player and has a great ear. And he was really into that idea that, you know, the amp should be somewhat forgiving for the player, you know, that it can't be like a, you know, a, a 68 super lead where, you know, it's like yeah. touch. It's like trying to diffuse a, a landmine, you know, <laughs> if you do anything. Yeah, with, with, with my playing, I need a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. So, you know, we, we designed the amp to have a little bit of extra compression there so that it would kind of, you know, get soft on the attack and come up and, uh, you know, so I was listening to a lot of people, whether they were professionals or whether they were in contact with customers that, and what they were looking for, like music store owners. We took a lot of input from them as well. Interesting. Yeah. yeah you think you kind of, uh, you know, to some degree gave it away when you're like, I wanted this to make sure that when this the sound was coming out right out of the gate, that the, that the front of the house guy, you know, was like, check, that's money. And right. I think... You know, when we kind of set this up, just the fact that you were de you were already designing for this is, you know, I guess maybe a, t a touring man's amp. Uh, right, right. You know, right. this but isn't uh, necessarily the 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 starter amp you're going to pick up. Uh, at no, the, no. I mean, especially at the time. I mean, you're talking about some heavy hitter guys out there. I mean, sure. like divided by thirteen, right? Was coming out about the same time I was doing Blockhead, and I love Freddie's amps. I mean, those things are great. And Brad was playing those FDR 37s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was the mix, was like a JTM 45 that I built in this, you know, FTR 37, and the two of them up on stage blended together, gave him this really amazing sound. And maybe that's partially where the 6v6 thing came from, in a way, you know, was hearing, you know, I, I, I didn't want to rip off Freddy's and there's nothing similar about our amp to his, but you know, I would have to say that, you know, his work has also inspired me. There's sure. absolutely no question about that. Yeah. So, um, now that, you, so at this point you've got, uh, your flagship, the orangutan, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. And that's the one that people are, are, you know, starting to say, Hey, wait a minute. This is a, this is some serious equipment here. Um, at what point did you decide to like, you know, start to fan out the line a little bit? Because I know that you you guys have you got what about uh, seven seven amps? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't count all the custom stuff. Sure, oh, yeah. sure, sure. We do a um, lot of one off. Things. A lot of one off <laughs> things, and um, but yeah, I mean, we I think we did the orangutan for about a year, uh -huh. um, just exclusively did that, and then came the grease monkey, and then that I came up with. And then the grease monkey came up um, as uh, a player that wanted like an AC30 kind of on steroids. So um, I like AC, that. AC, so <laughs> so you know more Brian May, less Tom Petty. You know, right? Um, exactly. So it was like putting a uh, like what would Dumble have done if he had an AC30 instead of a blackface Fender? <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> that was kind of where it came from. Right. <laughs> and that, yeah. And that, and so that it was, and, and the guy that we did it for was, a um, played a lot of slide and played with his fingers. So it had to be super like touch sensitive. And it was actually his 
model and actually the first maybe the first couple of production models we did were too sensitive like people like yeah, people guys that play control. guys that play with a pick that couldn't control it it was because yeah. that's just that's just kind of how it is um and that's uh and that comes from like when i was playing in bands and was playing like 50 watt marshals like you know like metal front 70s marshals i had this one that man it sounded so good right before it blew up you know, it was like, and it was all, it was, says, yeah. the Marshall yeah. sounds great just before it blows up. Yeah. So like anytime I was playing a gig and, and, and I was like, man, this sounds great. I'm like, don't think that a, you know, up and smoke it went. Um, so that's kind of the, the grease monkey was kind of that thing where it's, you know, kind of full tilt, almost uncontrollable, but, um, but has that, you know, again, has that thing about it. Um, and then we just, uh, and then we kind of expanded from there. Um, did you guys both know what that thing was? Like when you're starting to do this, was it, was it, was that identified or, or was it, um, you didn't know what it was, but you kind of like, you were both going to be okay when you found it. Right. Right. Um, we, I think we both have really good ears. Um, I think Ozzy's ears are probably a little bit better than mine. I think mine have been abused a little too much. Um, <laughs> even though, even though I wear, I wear hearing protection, um, when I'm on the road, um, and usually wear in-ear monitors, you know, on stage, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I just, it's just one of those things. And, and we, we both can hear, um, you know, I think we make a really good partnership because we both can hear different things. Um, and can basically sit there when we're prototyping an amp and, um, you know, Oz is real good about like, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? Or listen to this. He'll substitute one part, you know, and for another and we'll AB them. I and, do it while it's on too. Yeah, just, and he does it while it's on. <laughs> Whoa. Stick, stick the thing in there with my hand onto that's, one, onto both turns. It's like walking a tightrope, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. As long, as long as you keep one hand in your pocket, you're going to be fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got you keep that one on the on your uh on the ground or something yeah i yeah. mean the, the whole thing i mean basically you can i shouldn't say this because i don't want people doing it um but basically you know the the, the electrical signal which is what it is has to go to ground for right. it to develop any kind of current Right. So if there's no path to ground, I mean, you can basically lick the power supply if you want. It. Right. Because as long as you're isolated, you'll be fine. Because it's an open circuit. Yeah, it's an open circuit. And your potential right. is, you know, not there. So there is no electrical potential. You know, I like so, that as a T-shirt, yeah. too. Your potential yeah. is not there. <laughs> That's just like, not hey, good I, enough. Ozzy, I, th I think me and you need to talk after this. You know what I'm saying? Your potential is generally I, offensive. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. I, I think our new tagline is "You can lick the circuit." There you go. There it is. <laughs> so, so you guys have some great amp designs, and I was kind of curious about how how do you go about matching that up with uh, with various speakers that are out there. Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got, we actually kind of got, kind of, kind of got lucky. Um, early on, um, we hooked up with the guys at, um, at warehouse guitar speakers, yeah. um, Wayne and, the boys. Wayne and those guys. And they really them. like sorted us out. And the speaker that we got, which, um, which is a, which is a three, we branded is a three monkeys branded speaker. Um, they build, it's just, um, and we just kind of designed the amp around it. Once we once we liked, we knew what we liked about the speaker. 
we kind of just design around it. And then, um, you know, we, we use celestians and certain, certain things just for that kind of sound. Yeah. Um, but mostly, uh, it's, it's those WGS. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's out there in the speaker world listening, I, I would have to say, I wish somebody would come up with a speaker that was, let's say somewhere around like 92 or 93 DB efficiency. You know, I think there's a market for that. I mean, I think like when you're talking about matching speakers to amps, I think that's one of the most overlooked things in terms of your playing style is the efficiency of the speaker. I mean, you know, if clean headroom is something that we hear a lot, um, yeah. players looking for more of it. And they seem to think that's mostly going to come through a different preamp or a different tube choice. But to me, it's all about, you know, basically maximizing the amount of power that's available at any given point if you're looking for the cleanest possible headroom. And speaker efficiency plays great into that. So if you have a very efficient speaker, let's say if you're dealing with like a 100 dB speaker, I mean, that's one watt in, 100 dB out. If you're looking at, you know, that would be something like a Celestian, what, a 65 might be somewhere around there. Um, but if you're looking at a vintage 30, you know, you're looking at three or four dB drop. Um, or any of like the vintage style, like the G12Hs, you know, you're looking at three or four dBs below that. So, you know, a lot of people will complain that they can't get the high clean headroom out of Celestians. And, you know, that may be part of the speaker efficiencies, but also for kind of gigging out, sometimes those, you know, 96, 97, 98 dB speakers are too loud. Yeah. You know, especially with the way that the world is going. I mean, like the gigs that you play mostly, um, that we all play, you, you know, you can't be blasting people out. No, you no. really want to be at a comfortable level. You won't be able so to I mix think it. There is a market for that. I was glad that you elaborated on that, um, on that efficiency issue. Um, I think that's something that I'm, I feel like I'm fighting a little bit right now. Cause I actually have one of Dave Harris's amps. Uh, he was an early guest. He does a uh, tube amp factory and, um, local is, yeah, he's a local guy here. And, uh, okay. He, uh, the amp that I have is, it's a 14 watt and it, for me to get any kind of breakup on it, I mean, I have to be bringing the walls down and <laughs> yeah. I, on one end, like I like that I can have that headroom because if I'm, you know, I, I don't have a stock of amps, so I kind of have, there's a utility, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, but sometimes if I'm using a particular pedal, it like it plays better if it's already if it's hitting a broke up signal, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to, to figure out all the little factors. I've got vintage thirties in it right now. Um, uh, 16 ohm and, and, uh, uh, we just, you know, we had that interview with, uh, with warehouse guitar speakers. And, uh, so I'm going to be calling them up and just seeing like, Hey, what would you do with this? You know, if they have any <laughs> suggestions, but. I mean, I, th I think there's absolutely a way to, you know, change the coil, the magnet structure or whatever to get whatever kind of efficiency you're looking for. So, mm -hmm. I'd, yeah, I'd absolutely go to Wayne and see if he'll, you know, if you got the time, he'll probably want to work with you. I mean, he's a he's a good guy. He's got a lot of creative energy to him. Yeah. So I would think, yeah, that might be a great solution is to find the perfect efficiency for your amp. So you know, many and people for the gigs just don't play. give enough stock to what the speakers are doing. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it really is. I mean, if you look at, let's say, the difference between JBLs, Altex, Celestians, Utahs, I mean, you're going to be 
playing anything from like, you know, Brian Setzer to Metallica with the same amp. Yeah. You know, literally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, there's the amplifier's job is a waveform and that's, you know, it, it, your waveform is your waveform. Your speaker then is going to be the most definitive um, piece of equipment that's going to determine the sound curve of your amplifier, like wh how the impedance curve is on that speaker. You know, because at different frequencies, what impedance is that? How does it work out in that respect is going to determine the tone of your amp more than anything you can do in the circuit. Yeah. I'm a complete believer in that. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, this is Jared. I was really... <laughs> I haven't spoken a while on this podcast, Hi, Jared. so I wanted to reintroduce He's myself. He's dying over here. I want to say something. I want to let me be a part of it. Uh, no, I, I was looking at the uh, the amp selection on the website earlier, and I'm very, very impressed with the design. So what my question was, uh, what or who, how uh, did you get the influence to build these cabs the way they look? I mean, they're fantastic in, in my personal opinion. Yeah. So what what they drove are, you? To they, that? they do stand Great. alone. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, when we started, the cabinets are all great. The first, okay. the first, the first, our first uh, kind of feeling. Actually, I think it, this all stemmed from. So we went to go see John Mayer. Um, my buddy uh, Renee is his guitar tech, and uh, I also know his uh, tour manager and a bunch of other people on his crew. But anyway, so we went the to the guy show. Makes the fingerboard oil. Yeah, is it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Renee's been Renee's been. Tommy John's makes tech good for a stuff, while. man. Yeah, and he was Steve Ray Vaughan's tech too. So yeah, um, but yeah, so we went to the show, and somebody was like, "Oh, I hear David Ryan Harris is playing a Blockhead," and we're like, "Oh, cool!" So we're standing out at front of house. Oh yeah. With the with the with the uh, Chad, his mixer at the time. And, and we're like, Oh, cool. Look, it is a blockhead. And then, so I'm like, let's go down front. We'll take a picture. And so we kept walking and about every 25 feet, we were like, that Nope, it. it's not a blockhead. <laughs> it must be a Blankenship. And like, Nope, Nope. That's a Germino. Nope. No. Nope. I mean, we just, it, gets, it was just one of those gene, you know, it was like a generic Marshall looking box. So that yeah. was, I was like, that's what we're not going to do. Exactly. Right um, yeah. Good idea. So what, so what I wanted to do was to make it so, when you saw it, like divided by 13s, you, when you see those, um, like you know what, you know what it is. Um, yeah. you know, when you see a Marshall, you know what it is. You see a Fender, you know what it is. It's, uh, you know, Vox, it's, it's the stuff's iconic. So, um, I, I like really weird, uh, I'm sitting in my office with my odd amp collection, but I like really weird little combos. I have, uh, Supros from the, from the sixties and fifties. I have, I have amps from the 40s. I have a Melkor. I have Watkins. The minstrel. Um, yeah. <laughs> that um, thing looks like a World War II. I have, a, I have premieres. I have Tyscos. I have all these weird amps. But um, I saw a picture on eBay of a panoramic, which was a magnetone offshoot. And the way the guy photographed it, it looked like it had angled sides. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. Yeah. So I started drawing stuff up and, um, and came up with that design and, um, Oz came up with how the piping, uh, kind of works just from a way to tolexing it for one. And also, um, we decided to go, we actually used guitar, like Brady guitar wire, um, as the piping, Cool. which yeah, is one, you know, kind of cool. and, um, yeah, so that's, that, that was the way the original design came out. And then 
uh, you know, people were like, oh, it kind of looks like the Vox Transonic. And I was like, ooh, you're right. And I kind of got that. I think that was in my subconscious because uh-huh. um, I did um, I did some shows with Cheap Trick years ago. And at the time, Tom was using those Transonic cabinets on stage, kind of as dummies. I don't remember. I don't think he was running the speakers, but <laughs> they have that. They have that kind of typical. You know, you know, upside down, you know, kind of coffin look, um, yeah. with the, so that's, that's how the five degree angle came in the, the, the dreaded five, the dreaded degree, five angle. degree angle, um, mm-hmm. because man, it is hard to do woodworking with five degrees. And originally I think the first prototype we did, it was five degrees on each side. And then it was five degrees back on the front oh, yeah, it was and Ozzy, th- Ozzy put his foot down because we're not doing that. Oh, we'd still because be it, making the first. Yeah. Was, so all, <laughs> yeah all those, all those compound <laughs> angles were just, you know, a huge pain. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of my other, um, so that's yeah, the general idea. And the general idea is yeah, the, the kind of the shape, yeah. um, you know, shape, and we kind of came up, out. we called it the new shape of tone. Mm-hmm. I think that was our first right kind of thing and we're um that's clever so so i think it i think it's i think it's worked for us as far as being when people see our amps they know what they are it's eye um, candy to me it's, yeah it's really yeah. cool and and i i just i love old um you know uh vox amps i've i've got the vox um book actually i think i gave it to ozzy for Christmas, but I, I, some, I somehow ended up with it. I gave well, him the have, schematic part. It worked part. out perfectly. Yeah. I got the schematics, and he's got the pictures. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of prototypes in that Vox uh, oh, book um, of stuff that never saw the light of day, or yeah. if it did, it was very few of them, and they were only in the UK, and they're not around anymore. So I took a little inspiration from that. Um, the Orangutan Junior, I took inspiration from the Watkins Joker, which is a very bizarre um, kind of one-off, uh, they didn't make very many of those, but it, it has like a microphone stand built into it and a tape echo built into it. Look it up. It's one of the coolest looking amps you'll ever see, but I kind of took a little, um, kind of cues from that. And I just, and I constantly, I'm, uh, my business card says, uh, idea monkey. Yeah. Nice. I'm, 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 I'm that guy. I constantly have furniture ideas and, uh, cabinet design ideas. I've been building pedal boards since, um, the early nineties. Um, Ooh. I was selling pedal boards on the internet in 1994. Um, that were my design for those, who's, for those who <laughs> had it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I was selling them through Rudy's music on 48th street at the time too. And a lot of, a lot of heavy duty players were, 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 you know, picking them up, but I've, um, I'm, I'm constantly like coming up with stuff. Um, almost to the point of it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I just have notebooks and notebooks full of ideas. That's, that's, a, that's a good problem to have, man. We've talked several times about how much inspiration the, the guitar world draws from, from the hot rod world. And Well, there's you know, that there's I mean, that too because we're yeah. both hot rodders. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like a little Big bit Daddy more Ralph got a hold of or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really into... Um, like my house is very mid-century modern. I, I like all that kind of style furniture. I built I build most of the furniture that's in the house, and um, but I'm really into 50s era custom stuff. Larry Watts and Big Daddy, yeah, uh, and uh, you know uh, Barris, all those, sure, all those. Yeah. So I've, yeah, <laughs> I've got. Yeah, books I can definitely see the Barris thing in there. Stuff. You just yeah. need to work in some kind of plexi bubble kind of thing into the next one yeah. it's like a well, monkey a, head inside yeah, it <laughs> I, they do have plexi uh the, the logo is a is a piece of plexi 
Um, yeah, right. So it kind of looks like a jukebox almost because yeah. we use we use crushed glass, um, which is drum covering. Yeah. Um, uh, crushed glass because actual colored glass is crushed and impregnated into this um, acrylic. Wow. Uh, and then we silk screen it. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. Great. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so are you you're you're any new developments in the amp world? Are you kind of just like, hey, we're, we're good with the designs that we have right now? Or where are you with that? We're always doing stuff. Um, I've had an idea um, to do an amp, just more of a look of the amp, and also, and and we kind of have this kind of sound nailed down too. But it's been probably three or four years in the works, um, and I just haven't had time to finish the. I've done. We did one. We did a one-off for uh, one of Brad Whitford's um, kids. He's got a couple of kids that are monster players, but his son Harrison, amp, yeah. we did an amp for him. Um, and it's our kind of our NYC amps is is the – and it uh, looks like it's, it's kind of has a subway look. I'm a, I'm a, I've been going to New York since the 90s, um, yeah. and especially the, with touring, but um, just even for vacation and stuff, and I have a lot of friends up there. So I love the subway and stuff. You know, it's funny. Ozzy's from Yonkers, and he hates the subway <laughs> and uh, everything about New York City. He hates Manhattan, but but I, I love it, and 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 uh, that's kind of the one thing we've been working on. And 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 I know Ozzy works on circuits constantly. Um, yeah. I'm getting more into the recording aspect now. I like doing um, – you know, it's like at a certain point, you feel like you've done everything you can do. Um, so you want to branch out into other areas. So that's, I guess, what's been occupying a lot of our times now. We're like the audio connectors and the DC connectors. And I've been building recording equipment, like kind of into compression. Yeah. A lot of different types of compressors now, too. And you know, I should throw a shout out to Hairball Audio. They're 1176. I've built like, I don't know, half a dozen of them. Those things are incredible. That should be my fifth pedal. If you could put it on the floor, that would be the thing I would have on <laughs> all the time. Well, that's <laughs> a good segue into it seems as though you guys would make a killer line of pedals. We could. We could. Um, and we have made them um, not for sale, but um, I've always done like switcher, switchers, loopers, stuff like that um, over the years, uh, custom stuff for different people. Um and Ozzy's done a quite, I know Ozzy's built quite a few pedals. Um, but I think once we really got to the point where we were going to actually build one to, to put out, it was like, it was like the amp business. It was oversaturated. Yeah. And we just felt like it was going to be not good for us, not good as, as a company at least. So I see. Yeah. Maybe yeah. diluting the, the power of what you guys already have or something or. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it takes a lot of focus to run a business. Um, yeah. so, and our focus, you know, has been on mostly on the cables in the last, um, maybe year or so. I mean, we haven't stopped building amps, um, yeah. but, but the cables have been the focus just because, um, you know, it was something we invented the DC cables something we invented. And so nobody knows really to look for it. So, um, you know, if people don't know to Google's, that such thing exists, you know, then, you know, we're not going to sell any. So yeah. we're just trying to get that stuff in as many people's hands as possible and to get in front of, his, front of everybody's, you know, faces and uh, show them what a cool product it is. And um, I came up with the idea because 
it, there wasn't such a thing. No. Right. You know? Um, and so it was let's, something let's I thought set this up a little bit, just really quick. So you, you, you were going to, we're transitioning from you're doing full on amazing amps into, okay, now we're into little bitty parts. There's still three monkeys. Um, and most people, when they're thinking of the cables and pedal board cables, they're thinking of the, the actual like connection cables. Um, right, right. But you, you went a whole different route, uh, to start off with. What was the genesis of that? It's, it's really easy. Uh, I, I was building a pedal board for myself, which I never do. And I always make my own power cables. I have for years, I have, I have a bag that has every, you know, end for nine volts and 18 volts or whatever, you know, that you could have positive tip, negative tip, all that stuff. Um, and so I always make my own little cables. Well, I'm 50, what am I? 53 this year. So I'm, uh, I can't see anymore. I had 2015 vision my whole life, you know? And, um, so I was trying to make these cables and I'm like, I can't solder these tiny little connections. I was like, somebody's got to make this solderless. Cause I always use solderless cables on my pedal boards just cause it was, it was easy. And, um, you can make, you know, custom links really quickly. And, um, so I pulled out the Google and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Nobody makes this. So I took a, a solderless cable that I had an audio cable and I took it out in the garage and took my Dremel out and I cut it in half. Um, I cut the audio part off of it. Um, I took it apart. I took a 2.1 millimeter, nine volt and cut that in half. And then I made it them together very crudely with some solder and tested it. And it worked, you know, with the, with the standard, you know, solderless cable. And I sent, I sent Ozzy a picture and I still, I still have the message somewhere. I sent Ozzy a text with a picture and he's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, it's a solderless DC cable. He goes, where did you get that? You know? And I was like, I made it. He's like, Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's literally where it came from. And this was a couple of years ago and it, it took us and Oz and I both have an engineering background. So we think about stuff like that, like an engineer. And we also think, you know, just from like for me from touring and him from, um, uh, you know, building amps and stuff, we think of stuff as how it gets worn and you know how it's used so um we just refined the design yeah, like the my design original design they had sucked yeah yeah so we kind of figured out that the normal solderless design with the with the set screw on the side is kind of flawed in that when you push when you push in the set screw you're you're moving the cables kind of sideways and that's moving it off of the center pin right um yeah you know, which is which makes your makes your yeah cable within the connector itself so we so we solved that by basically just threading the the where the cable goes in and you just basically just screw the ends on you don't need a set screw and uh it's bonded to the cable and uh believe me you're not going to pull it out of there yeah i mean in terms of you know we knew when we first did the dc connectors when we got like some prototypes made that were close to that were basically the side screw model I mean, the failure rate, the, the the attempts to try to get one of these cables to work, I mean, it was frustrating. And it's not like I don't spend a lot of time around wire. Yeah. You know, and if I'm thinking to myself, if I can't get these things to work better than 30% of the time, no one's going to get these things to work. Yeah. 
so we really had to drill down into this thing and figure out what is the reason, what are the problems, and how can you best solve the problems that the, these past, you know, solderless connectors have have faced. And we we decided that that set screw, when you're trying to maintain something completely concentric, and then you're applying, you know, sort of lateral pressure to it, it's fouling everything up. So, yeah. you know, we just figured that there has to be a better way to do it, and. I've had some machining background in my life, so was able to think of a screw type of thing. And we just made some prototypes on my lathe in my garage and uh, made a few of those. And they worked like a charm. I mean, we I was bringing them up to the up to the mall and just like asking people to try to make the thing work. And I couldn't get anybody who couldn't make one work. So I thought that, you know, this is the way they should be made. So, yeah. well, yeah. it's frustrating, too, especially, you know, when you're talking about that kind of a failure rate. Those, uh, you know, typically solderless cable kits have not come in at um, organ prices. Like you're, you're paying no, a premium no. for it's that. Paying stuff. a premium for something that works terribly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that that's that's a that's a tough stigma to get past. Um, it, yeah, it, yeah, and the and the failure rate also is a is a tough stigma. It is. Um, you know, we we almost don't really even want to call our cables solderless, you know, just because this, there's the stigma, you know, I know yeah. a lot of guys that are like, Oh, now I, I would never don't things, touch that right? stuff. It's yeah. terrible. And, um, especially a lot of touring guys that I know, but I've sent them to a lot of guys that have always been no, 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 no. And they're always, and they're like, Hey, can I get some more of these? Yeah. Exactly. And to some of you touring guys out there on the road, not all of you, but some of you, you know who you are, you can't solder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it helps with that aspect too. Is I mean, some of the solder joints I've seen made out on the road. I'm like, did you think it was candle wax or something? Yeah, <laughs> more is better. Well, yeah. you yeah. know, solder is not glue. <laughs> yes, that that was the. Uh, I, I think I actually forgot to say in the demo that I, I had it written down real big and I managed to forget to say it. But yes, oh, solder is not now, glue. Yeah, well, I got to do the other one for the for the actual DC cables. The uh, you know th that that whole thing, the whole like make your own cable, is kind of a it's a weird idea. It, just in that there are so many that you don't have to make that theoretically work right out of the bag. But right. the the kind of industry you guys are sitting in, you know, the guitar world, it's all about. I've said this a thousand times. This is my this is my the thing that I pound my chest about. It's like this is the fingerprint. This is the this is what makes my board my board, right? right. Because right. I put that I figured out how long that was because I took the time to do it. It allows somebody to get in much more intimately connected with the gear that they're using beyond just buying it. And I, that's that's a really unique thing. That's a brilliant point. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that goes, especially for guitar players, your amp, your guitar, you know, everything. It's yeah. like, this is, this is mine. This is my own custom little customization of, you know, whether you're just putting a sticker on your guitar, yeah. you know, and you don't to have to have an engineering degree to do it. That's, that's right. the cool no, part, right. you know, it takes right. seconds. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying, you know, that nobody should solder a cable. Um, you know, we're not saying that, um, but if you're on the road, um, like I've been for, you know, and you have a cable fail, a soldered cable fail, nine times out of 10, you, you 
you take the uh, you unscrew it and the center con- connection where it was soldered will will have broken off. Yeah. Um, well, and that's mostly due to the wire stripping. Yeah. And that's and that. Yeah. And that's so that's and yeah. So what we figured out um, was it's due to the, it's mostly due to the wire stripping because pe- uh, most people don't know how to strip wire correctly right. without actually, you know, and, and everybody knows this. You go to strip a wire, um, a braided braided copper wire and there you get a couple of extra little few of them fall fall on the table you know and you're like you're like oh that's all i don't worry about that there's 15 other ones well those though you know you severed those so you you and and you probably nicked the rest of them you just they just didn't fail yet and they end up that's what happens they end up failing so um, that was one of my favorite parts about putting the the cables that that you get. You know, you guys are nice enough to send a kit my way, and it was it was fun to do. And I didn't, I wasn't worried about doing it wrong. And that to yeah, me I mean, was a big helpful. deal. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to strip the wires. And I I have all the stuff to do it, but I didn't have to do that. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't something. It wasn't flipping rocket science. It was like cut the thing, screw it on, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's and that's the way it should be. And go play guitar. Go play guitar. Exactly. I mean, and if you're the type of guy that likes to change your four on the floor every once in a while, and the footprint is a little different, um, you're you're literally ten seconds away from you know mounting it up both DC and audio cables and changing out your pedal board. If you want to throw pedals in out day and night, you know, if you want to chuck something in for another gig, it's easy to do. Yeah. If you want to run the wire up through the bottom of the pedal board and have everything hidden, you're not having to work with like a, a half inch or an inch long stub right. that's sticking out of a tiny little hole in your pedal board that you have to solder through. Right. 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 I mean, it just makes things very convenient. That's all. Especially yeah. with the compact boards now, you know, uh, yes. we mentioned right. that in the premium. last episode. And we and we made the uh, we made the the DC connectors as small as we could make them. And we also made the audio connectors as small as we could make them. And as far as I know, they're the smallest ones on the market. We can make them smaller, but you can't actually pull them out You you couldn't actually (laughs) screw them in. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, so everybody, uh, if you are interested at all, and you should be, as if you're playing guitar, you're playing, you got a pedal board, I highly recommend uh, checking these out. Uh, Where can they find that? Uh, ThreeMonkeysSolderless.com. Okay, and, and that's not that's not on the main site, right? Well, I, I what we did was we split the sites, right. um, so we have two main sites. The Three Monkeys Amp site also has the solderless or a, or a link to the solderless on it, and okay. the solderless site has a link to the amps. Okay. I just didn't want people to get too confused. Um, it uh, we just look. I kind of looked at the at the yeah. analytics one time, and it was like people would come. You could see they came to look at the solderless, and then they were like, "Ooh, shiny amp." Yep. And they'd go off to the amps, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. But then, you know, a lot of people just forget, like, why did I come here? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, so much. Um, yeah, it's thank you. It's been really super duper fantastic talking to you guys and learning about this business. Um, yeah, we're thank gonna, you for the invite. Yeah, you bet. Uh, hopefully, yeah, who knows? Someday, maybe we'll get to play one of those bad boys. Um, you know, when next time we're hanging out with Bradley Whitford, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we're going to get to uh, our much-loved segment. Jared's chomping it. Wait, not yet, Jared. Hang on. Just wait. He's leaning in. He's taking a big, deep breath. 
Got the W sound. Okay, coming. now go. Would you rather? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All Would right. Would you rather? He's got a really good one for us this week. So you're at a gig and a high-profile gig, whatever, and the guitar tech walks up to you with a Gibson. Your, your guitar fails. That's right, and he says you have these two guitars to choose from. You have a Gibson uh, 335, an, an old, nice, vintage one, like a 1959, because uh, those are kind of sought after. And then you have the Rickenbacker 360. And you have to choose one of those guitars to play the gig with. But I, don't this, have to, I don't have to pay for the guitar. That's right. right. No. You just get to play it. Now, the stipulation is you have to smash that guitar that's at the end of the show. That's your signature move at the end of the show. You have to the smash it. The crowd's waiting for you to smash it. Yep. Which guitar are you going to choose to to enjoy during the show and then probably reluctantly smash it up? All right. Mm. Tony. I'm going to go with the Rick. As much as I love Ricks. What? I am. You're super but, Rick guy. I know. But one of my favorite pictures of Pete Townsend is him sitting in front of a wall. Oh, because you want to smash it. For the okay, okay, I get it. All that's right. that's what I'm after. I, it's not that you want to have a smashed one. Yes. After okay. Yeah. I, I got you now. So so there's a there's a great black and white photo of Townsend uh, sitting in front of a wall of smashed up Rickenbackers. God only knows what happened to all of those guitars. Yeah. Huh. But, okay. Uh, that's a that's but, a unique angle. But in honor of Pete Townsend, I'll smash the Rick. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Ozzy. Yo. I'm going to smash the 335. And it's mostly because, um, well, first of all, I'd prefer playing the 335 over the over the um, Rick, for sure, for the for the song. Uh -huh. Second of all, I don't think I've ever played one of those vintage 335, so I'd like to at least play one. There you go. And if I got to smash it to do it, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Jared? I am going to go with the Rickenbacker because I love Gibsons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, He's like so, the polar so you're opposite smashing, of me. You're smashing it because you're like, less of two evils, man. No, nah, the less of two evils. I, All right. You couldn't would, bring yourself to smash the, the beautiful 335. No, I can't. Okay. I'm, I'm more familiar with those guitars, the Gibson 335s. Okay. So it, that's a real easy one for me. Although I still will be reluctant to smash perfectly good, beautiful guitar. Right. Hmm. All right, Greg. Uh, I couldn't smash a, a .NET 335, so I'd have to go with the I'm Rick. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Spinal Tap, and I would, I would smash the Rick with the 335. <laughs> <laughs> Winner. Oh, that's the best answer. <laughs> best answer. That's good. Uh, man. Yeah. No, I I love the idea. Like that. I hadn't even thought of that angle. Like I, it would be pretty rad to have a completely destroyed, amazing guitar. After you played it, like Greg said, like I, you know, I want to play one of those. But okay, awesome. Well, that was fun, right? That was a yeah, good one. That yeah. was, you that know was cool. who has fun and who has two thumbs? This guy. This guy That's and right. that guy and you guy. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We have had a blast talking with three monkeys. Um, we hope to maybe talk to them again another time soon, as we like to do on the show. I love bringing people back and having further chats with them. 
Um, love to come back. Excellent. That's good Anytime. to hear. You bet. Um, yeah. We want to say thank you to our executive producers for supporting our podcast. Uh, Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Matt Brammer, Carlos Mancha, yeah. and Pete Marshall. Pete! New guy. Hey, if you want to be an executive producer on the site, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs to find out how. Guys, we're going to let you go, but not without awesome. tears in our eyes. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. You I'm bet. so glad we had this time together. <laughs> it's it been awesome. Special. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe! <laughs> yeah. Hey, really quick, just want to say um, we do have a clean rating, so if you guys can drop a couple of stuff, but if you can avoid the... I was going to ask... That's fine. Unfortunately, <laughs> where I grew up, it's kind of... I don't even notice it. Uh, yeah. An I, and, and I'm a roadie. <laughs> yeah, and I know. And I have yeah. There's a lot of uh, dirty mouth in here, too, when the, when it's not rolling. But we're going to yeah. try to clean it up. Yeah. Clean I up your act. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. No, no, not all. <laughs> just, uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody get it out. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> and then we'll get on with our interview. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.